This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello, Robbie. Hello, Ernie. Ah, oh, how are you doing? I think I'm well. Well, no, my stomach is my stomach is not fully recovered from the uh, what looks like more like a stomach flu now because my daughter caught it the next day uh, and she wasn't uh, she was separately and my son uh, caught it last night so it's uh, well you've not been eating the same food and it's happening at different times so yeah that uh, yeah does tend to invalidate the original hypothesis right. Oh, well, so I'm glad you're feeling better. Sorry, the family's feeling worse. Yeah, well, um, yeah, a little bit. It's, uh... Sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I said we'll live. It's, uh, you know, uh, life has a, a, a series of challenges and uh, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. So, interesting question. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. It's been a bit of a hectic day. I had unusually like uh, three and a half hours of meetings all in a row, which uh, I guess the salespeople are used to, but was uh, fairly intense for me, especially because it was all fairly deep relational decision making and exploration stuff. It was all uh-huh. good, very productive, but uh, significant emotional labor. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh. Maybe we should open with prayer. <laughs> yes, that's a great idea. We'll start. Jesus, oh. Jesus, I thank you for uh, this technology and for our friendship and for your presence, most of all. Thank you that... Uh, you love us just the way we are, but uh, you love us too much to leave us there, and uh, that we uh, continue to face challenges and opportunities in life that help us to see where we need to grow, and that you provide the grace along with that to uh, to grow and learn from what we go through. So uh, guide us in helping each other process that, and in hearing everything you want us to hear from you, uh, particularly now during this meeting. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God, I thank you that you did not just come to save us from sin as the world uh, defines sin, or as the church defines sin, but you came to save us from the law as, uh, you know, even your own word defines the law, because we are just hopeless, uh, because we cannot truly fulfill the law, except maybe our weak parody of it. And we need to be saved both from sin and from the law if we're going to actually enter into these deep relationships with you. And I pray that as we go into the season of Lent and even Mardi Gras, that you would show us what we need to be set free from so we can enjoy that deep communion with you and share it with others. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we didn't record our last call. Um, but we did end with a discussion of um, the the phrase where Jesus says, I can only do what I see my father doing. Mm-hmm. Do you want to look that up and maybe we could start there? 
you don't mind reading that. Um, so the one that came up when I looked for my father and doing is John fourteen ten. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. I think you were thinking of a slightly different passage where Jesus it's, says, I think it's I the same passage, nothing. it's a slightly different verse. Yeah, okay, it's a really long section, which I think has a... Uh, can just start somewhere in the middle and read to the end, maybe, or... Uh, let me just see here. Um, I do not speak on my own authority. It's the Father living in me who's doing his work. So that's a couple of verses earlier. All right. Um, oh, no, that's the next verse after what I read. Uh, so maybe let's see. Well, the NIV breaks the section here. Um, in 14.4, Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Actually, let me just start at the beginning. <laughs> sure, not why not? Yeah. Heart, do not let your hearts be troubled, which seems to me like uh, the same, uh, maybe parallel, at least to enter that rest if it's not the same. Yeah, it's like why something else. Talking last time about entering into that rest, making every effort to enter into that rest. That's what I've been Right, which ended with, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the sort okay. of word of God being living and active, yeah. Okay, so do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Uh, and then he goes, uh, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him where he lives with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Um, you want me to keep going at the end of the chapter? Or? Sure, why not? We've gone this far. <laughs> All right. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's how he started the chapter. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Um, You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. The full chapter. All right. Well, that's the passage I asked. I thought I was getting, but I'm going to trust it's the passage we need. All right. So, um, what was the verse you said? You want to read the first verse and then the verse you said that mirrored that at the end? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, the first half of fourteen one. We believe in God, believe also in me. Toward the end, he says, um, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Mm, this is good. One of the things that I've been wrestling with, I mean, I, uh, you know, you know, raised the question last week of whether you have an addiction to religious work or Christian uh-huh. missions. Right. And uh, as often happens, God really started raising lots of issues in my life that I that are possibly addictive in, in similar ways. Uh-huh. And there's this dynamic that I've noticed. One is that when I'm, you know, focused on being productive, I am mostly uh you know, unaware or indifferent to, uh, let's say, carnal temptations. Okay. Right? And then when I try to pull back from that very left-brain, performance-oriented way of doing things, um, I I find those temptations creeping up on me. Uh And then in one of my dialogues, when I was trying to process this, I realized that the temptations aren't the problem. They're actually the solution to a different problem. 
And what came out was that I'm feeling some sort of deep anxiety. And, you know, in the past, you know, especially in my 20s, when I was dealing with addictive behaviors more explicitly, this was a way that I could make those anxious feelings go away. And Mm -hmm. so this phrase about letting your heart be troubled is not a bad uh, synonym. Uh, So a troubled heart is not a bad synonym for anxiety. Right, okay. Or emotional discomfort. And the Uh idea that both religious work and carnal pleasure are different ways of avoiding that sort of angst. Yeah. And I realized that, uh, you know, trying to, you know, rationalize religious work or demonize uh, carnal indulgences is actually both missing the point. Mm-hmm. And what really got what Christ wants is an untroubled heart that, you know, can participate in this love triangle with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Right. And it raises this this question that I don't currently have an answer to, which is what is the thing that is actually troubling our hearts? And other than just saying don't, you know, is Jesus giving us any clues about what we need in order to, I guess, enter into that peace, even as you prayed about entering into his rest? Uh-huh. And that maybe if we knew what that positive thing was to be pursuing, that would make us more less susceptible to either religious performance or carnal indulgence. Uh-huh. Are you driving now, or you have the citrus? I'm driving. Ready? I got. It. I got. Uh, my son right. is. Uh, in rehearsal till 6.30 every night, and it's at least a half-hour drive, so that's why I've been doing our little podcast episodes at this uh, interval. So I got a good 15 to 30 minutes still. Well, um, through the chapter, it seems like the the way maybe that Jesus is saying we over uh, first it seems like he's saying we have agency over whether our hearts are are troubled that it's not something that just happens to us uh, we have control and we can choose not to let that happen um, uh, or maybe there are things we can do maybe it's not simply a choice but maybe there are steps we take to not let that happen mm. So he opens, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, And so that suggests to me that believing, uh, which is a similar word, I mean, it's sometimes translated obey. It's one concept in Greek where it's separated in the English into two different concepts. But that uh, this belief he certainly emphasizes obedience in the bottom. So there, or in the, even in this translation, right. so they're definitely coupled. Right. Yeah, he works them together in a variety of words or the way they're translated in this NIV. 
Um, funny, uh, just as a, as a side note, we talk a lot about work is that we can't really predict the future, but we can uh -huh. place bets. All right, yeah. And this idea of belief and obey, to me, has this, this sense of betting on Jesus as opposed right. to something else. Yeah. And uh, that there's something that we are risking of value to us that we are entrusting to Jesus. And I think of being entering, making every effort to enter that rest in that sense of choosing to believe that Jesus is going to show up and that he's not, unless he's telling me to do something, he's not dependent on me uh, rescuing myself, what Winship we call it self-promotion and self-protection. So uh, to tangent just a little bit back to our previous conversation, uh, the uh, through the experience of the day of gut-wrenching flu, I uh, felt very weak and unable to accomplish things that I felt I really should accomplish. And I finally was able, <laughs> or uh, since I was unable to accomplish them, I was forced into uh, releasing them into the Lord's hands and uh, nothing collapsed. It wasn't the end of the world. Um, and as we talked about making every effort to enter that rest, and I, I was reflecting that some of the things my wife would like me to get done that I have trouble working in require a kind of um, focus and attention and alertness that I often am lacking because I rise early and go to bed late eating the bread of this toil, um, trying to squeeze in more. And that if I if I were to um, go to sleep at a more reasonable hour and uh, let myself sleep longer or go back to sleep when I wake up after five hours, uh, intentionally work at going back to sleep rather than just saying, okay, I'm up, um, that uh, my I might have more capacity to uh, work on things that are important to me and that are important to her and that I'm straining the relationship because I'm not making progress with it. So, so literally making more effort to physically rest. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Um, and then Jeffrey uh, asked last night if there was anything she could do to help. Uh, and um, I uh, thought, yeah, well, actually, I, we haven't talked this through because I didn't have the thought immediately. But I realized that. Um, in her frustration, she has stopped communicating to find out what my priorities are, and it doesn't seem approachable. Um, so I'm making decisions on my own. One of the problems I have is uh, a lack of discernment about what really is important. I need to talk that through with somebody who understands the uh, things we're working with and the other impulses that I have that uh, feel very important to me at the time, but uh, you know, have no long-term uh, means. Well, anyway, uh, I, I find significance in everything. So uh, this is a yeah. foul. And I think she is the solution. But are not necessarily making you move forward on the things that are most important to God. Right. And I think she is the solution God's given me for this, but because of the breakdown, uh, 
the my lack of discernment in this area is simply a frustration driving us further apart rather than a collaboration that helps to restrain some of my unwise impulses, whatever. Anyway, so that was my digression. Those are the reflections since we last talked, I think. Yeah, no, appreciate your sharing that. It reminds me of a um, story vision I had where uh, Adam doesn't tell Eve that she's supposed to not eat from the tree of the garden. He just carries that burden by himself. Uh-huh. And that makes him act out in other ways, like pulling away from her. And you know, he invents the word burden to describe this thing that he can't carry. And the epiphany is when Eve realizes, oh, that's because burden is a thing that we carry. And that it's not Eve's job to not eat the apple. It's her job to help Adam not eat the apple. Um, which is that, like, you know, this idea that she can't sin, she was just deceived. Um, mm-hmm. But this idea, and I think this is actually important. Uh, I'm not quite sure why yet, uh, but it's probably my blind spot here. But I was noticing that, like, we had one of the big things in this meeting was the, you know, we had a project which didn't quite, we had like 70% successful. Um, but then there was no clear acknowledgement of the other 30%, what happened and why and whatever. And I mentioned that the guy in charge just had trouble, you know, has trouble writing stuff down. Like things that seem easy and obvious to me are just a real struggle for them emotionally. And actually, I'm not quite sure why. And I just wrote down, like, if it's important and you can't do it, ask for help. Uh And I think this is one of these things that's like, that you're saying, it's like, oh, yeah, that's my problem. Is that when I, uh, when my heart is troubled, I probably don't actually do a good job of asking for help. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm not sure how this ties back to the passage, but it feels like there's something there that is, because um, I think both you and I, we, we tend to have a high degree uh, of self-efficacy. Right. We want to feel like we are the people who make change in the world. We're not sitting around waiting for other people to help us or to solve mm-hmm. the problem. Right. Um, and I think this might be the dark side of that. Yeah. Is that it's harder to admit that there are things that we just can't handle and shouldn't handle by ourselves. Um, and God's going to keep putting, it, putting us in that position as long as we keep feeling <laughs> Oh my gosh, and maybe that's the reason that our souls are feeling this discomfort. And maybe this is how this ties into the passage. Uh, Could you read the the three verses, the first three verses, and then the three verses on either side of the second, do not let your hearts be troubled? Sure. Um, I'll read the four at the beginning. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Let me just pause there and reflect on that before you go on. Sure, yeah. Um, So, I guess the... Look, the last sentence is a strange one, right? You know the place to where I'm going. The disciples seem mostly clueless at this point. 
Um, you know the you know the way to the place. Yeah, and it's not clear the disciples know much of anything at this point. <laughs> um, and Thomas says exactly that: we don't know where you're going. Yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I think the but I, I wonder if the big point here is that like when I'm with Jesus, I feel safe and I feel secure and I feel like I know what's going on and I'm on the winning team and, you know, I can just um, relax and just enjoy his presence. And I wonder if he's saying, look, you have this concept of God as this one who is sovereign over everything. You need to trust me that same way and mm-hmm. that I'm going to bring you to this place with God. Yeah. Right. That's the, and I think that's actually something that is also a struggle for me. Like I'm really focused on making this world a better place uh, uh-huh. and, you know, spending God's kingdom on earth, trying to get away from sort of the Catholic heaven, the place you go to when you die, eternal life starts uh-huh. after death and maybe after purgatory or whatever. And uh-huh. like, no, my identity, my success, my joy, um, it's really in this, trusting that the Jesus that I follow here on earth is actually the same being as the God who rules over eternity. Right. And one thing that I think I struck, sorry, you still there? Yeah, you broke up for 20, 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one thing is connecting my anxiety to being overly focused on this world and following and serving Jesus in this world and not uh, allowing myself to experience the joy and peace and identity of, you know, the future hereafter. At least for me, that's something I think I've resented and resisted that I need to start embracing. So, you know, we talked the other night about uh, having a personal relationship with Jesus, and I I used the Carl Lehman um, example, um, and then I asked you a question that was, uh, I'm not sure if you interpreted it the same way, but do you feel like you have the same experience Carl Lehman describes in that video? Abiding and I think I answered yes, but I'm not sure if I answered but, the question you meant to ask. Well, so you, you you do live in that conscious, moment-by-moment presence, awareness of Jesus' presence and communion with him. That was, that, that's what I meant by the way that I took mm. your question and related with Carl, yeah. I don't, like I experienced it the, the way he does. Um, I, I don't, I don't think mine is, mine may be less emotional, but I, I feel like it's as real as what you described experiencing. But I, I sense from Carl's example that there's something more that uh, maybe, maybe both of us, but maybe you're already there, or maybe you don't think. Oh, yeah, that's... it's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean. I mean, I guess that I would imagine that that means experiencing 
Jesus the way Jesus experienced God the Father. In fact, that seems to be kind of what he's saying in this chapter, right? Uh, right, okay. Right? And so, you know, I think that's where I'm at, except I probably spend, well, so, you know, there's a chunk of time where I'm walking with God and trying to do, you know, doing God what God wants. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a chunk of time when I'm angry at the Peters who just don't get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's a chunk of time where I'm wrestling with God because what I want is not what he wants. Yeah. Um, and there's probably large chunks of time where I am operating in the flesh with no conscious um, security of knowing God as my father. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I guess maybe, I don't know if it's worth all of you, but really to see if there's some nuance there that I'm missing. Because um, yeah. certainly the, the, I mean, the, the, the measure that I use for how well I am walking with Jesus is not so much my static state of peace, but when I am triggered, when I discover things, that are problematic either externally or internally, how quickly and thoroughly do I bring that to Jesus? Uh-huh. So I'm not sure if that's the same thing that Carl's talking about or not. Yeah. But anyway, you want to read the last? Uh... Oh, right, right. That's what we were heading. Um... Find it here again. Pretty long chapter. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so a few verses before. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Wow. This idea of him going to the Father is deeply connected to this passage and the previous one. Mm Mm-hmm. And this, and that's definitely one of the more infuriating and paradoxical statements in the Gospels, is that it's better for them that he go away to the Father. Yeah, what does he know? <laughs> Sorry? I said, yeah, what does he know? Yeah. To be able to say that. Yeah, and somebody's like, you know, it's true. Like, I mean, maybe he didn't, and like, I think he didn't, my theory is that he didn't actually know what it feels like to not know God until he was on the cross. 
Uh, yeah, okay. That's why he didn't have a lot of patience for the disciples' lack of faith. Right. Because it was just blatantly obvious to him that God was there hmm. and real and worthy of his trust. And, and I think maybe that was one thing, I think we said this before, this idea that it's only when we lose the manifest presence of Jesus, the physical presence of Jesus as our intermediary, that we actually start to know and love God the way he did, mm. you know, through the Holy Spirit. I guess that's the second piece of it is, right, this idea of actually seeking the Holy Spirit, but there is this awkward thing is like, don't bother seeking him until you're actually, unless you're actually planning to obey what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, or maybe that's the reason that I, oh, this is a good one. The, the reason that my heart is troubled is there's a piece of myself that I don't actually want to trust to the Holy Spirit. Um, And just let go of and, you know, shine in the light. And this is why we put our light under a bushel. Um, Uh And this is the thing that I have to surrender. Um, I, I thought, I think of this as the fulcrum on a lever. Like my mind is my lever. It gives me lots of leverage but there's a fulcrum that my lever cannot move. In fact, by definition, it is the thing that the lever cannot move that acts as the fulcrum for it to react against. But that fulcrum fulcrum is my ego. Uh, And then if I let go of that ego, I lose my leverage. Yeah. I don't know if this relates at all to your analogy, but I was struck by the thought that if the fulcrum is not structurally sound enough, the fulcrum itself is under intense pressure and collapses. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. It's that the, the 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 weaker the the fulcrum, the less leverage you get. But the stronger right. the fulcrum, uh, the more permanent the the illusion. Is like we can mistake our our fulcrum for the rock of Christ. In fact, I think uh-huh. I frequently do. Uh huh. And it's just interesting. The chapter break is literally when you know the mob is coming to arrest Jesus, I believe, or yeah, like heading to Gethsemane to right. confront all of this, and like. It feels like there's an analogy here somewhere between me losing my ego and the disciples losing Jesus. Is that it's the worst thing they can imagine. Yeah. And it was the thing that was their security. And apparently it was the thing that keeps them from actually seeing God and finding this transcendent peace as opposed Uh to the. My son's calling. I got to go. Thank you, Robbie. All right. Uh, Maybe we'll do. Again, sometime soon, but not tomorrow at this time because I have a different schedule. Talk to you later. All right. Bless you. Bye.